Okay, so church, no place like church. After a break last Sunday where I talked a little bit about Methodist history, we're returning, Jackie and I, to our summer sermon series on the Apostles' Creed. And if you've been uh, watching, uh, you might remember that in three Sundays, we did God on one Sunday, we did Jesus on the next Sunday, we did Holy Spirit on the third Sunday. Covered a lot of ground in a short amount of time. Uh, but now we're going to slow down. We're going to slow down and take each of these phrases that are at the last third or so of the uh, Apostles' Creed and talk about some things that maybe we don't usually talk about. And that's why today, uh, the Holy Catholic Church, in the Apostles' Creed, we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Now, the Catholic Church, that, um, that trips people up, doesn't it? Um, the Holy Catholic Church. Why are we saying that in a Methodist church, right? I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Why aren't we saying I believe in the Methodist Church? And people get confused by that. Well, if you, if you look up the Apostles' Creed in the hymnal, the Methodist hymnal, it's first of all Catholic with a lowercase c, and then an asterisk, right? And then down at the bottom, the asterisk, the footnote says universal. Okay, so it's not I believe in the Roman Catholic Church, the Apostles' Creed is actually older than that phrase, Roman Catholic Church. Uh, it's, it's church with a little c, and it's, it's often translated as universal, I believe, in the Holy Universal Church, or sometimes it'll say, I believe in the Christian Church. But I, I don't know that that really captures what this word Catholic is, is uh, trying to capture, okay? Um, it's actually a translation, the, the English word Catholic is a translation of two Greek words that are a little bit hard to translate. Um, that means something like throughout the whole or throughout all time and places. I think that's why universal isn't quite enough. Universal maybe just sounds like it's referring to geography, I believe, and the church everywhere, but throughout time and space, something more transcendent than the word universal usually means. There's a commentary that says it points to the essential unity or wholeness of the church in Jesus Christ. And another commentary that says, in the church, the wholeness of the Christian faith resides full and complete, all embracing, all enduring with nothing lacking. Huh? <laughs> That's a, what, what is that, right? Let's break that down. That, that I think what that's saying is that the church in its transcendent, visible, and invisible existence has everything I need. The church has the Gospels, the Scriptures, Jesus, the Creator God, the Holy Spirit, the cross, resurrection, power, forgiveness of sins, the theology, everything I need is in the church. Really? The church? Um, you mean that 
usually boring, often out of touch, behind the times, stuck in the past, divisive, argumentative thing that we have called church as everything, wholeness and unity. How many Christians does it take to change in a light bulb? Change? We don't change. The Johnson family gave that light bulb as a memorial during a big merger, and we can't change that light bulb. That's, ch that's church, right? That's the church that we more often know. I think, let's just be honest, that when the world thinks about church, they think more about our divisiveness than our unity. That's what we're known for. I mean, how many different denominations just here in Fredericksburg alone? Sometimes when I introduce myself or someone asks me what I do, uh, I'll say, well, I'm pastor of a Methodist church. And more often than not, they say, oh, well, we're Lutheran or, oh, we're Baptist or we're Episcopalian. If they go to church, if they don't go to church, then they talk about their parents and grandparents. Well, my mom was a Catholic, but my dad was a Lutheran, so they went to the Baptist church. But, uh, you know, so on and so forth, right? And here lately, I've kind of stopped using the word Methodist. I'll say, well, I'm pastor of a church. Um, which either draws silence, which is interesting, or what kind of church will Methodist? Well, you know, my dad was a Baptist, but my mother was a Catholic. And what I'm waiting on, and, and it happens every once in a while, but what I'm waiting on is to say that and someone says, oh, that's great, I'm a Christian too. But I rarely get that. It's as if when Christians get together, we, we pull out our credentials of divisiveness. That's the very first thing we do, which is a way of saying, we're not you, we're different. This is how we are different. This is what we're against. This is what we don't believe in, us and them. Now, just so I don't sound too self-righteous, um, I feel compelled to tell this. There, you may have seen on social media, I don't know if it's been in the newspaper or not, but there's a new church starting in town, a new congregation. And they're going to meet in uh, Edson Street Church, which irritated me, okay? And uh, it's a pastor out of San Antonio that's got a big church in San Antonio, and so I think they're doing a, a church plant, and he's like this, you know, super cool, charismatic clergy guy, and all my competitive kinds of nature is kicking in, and I'm not happy about this, and oh, they're going to be the cool church now, and so on and so forth. And then Thursday, we're having this Zoom Ministerial Alliance meeting, and Bubba Stahl, we'll call out Bubba Stahl. Bubba, who is the most amazing guy, he's pastor of First Baptist Church here in Fredericksburg. And he said, did you hear there's a new church starting in town? And everybody's like, yeah. And, and in complete sincerity, he says, we need to pray for them. We need to pray for their success. And I was like, oh, wow. Unity is so rare, it gets a wow from us, right? Which is why I pulled out this scripture uh, where Jesus is praying for unity. 
And uh, not too long ago, uh, I can't remember who I heard say this, but they said that, that Jesus commands several things for his followers to do, but he prays for unity. It's as if unity is so difficult that really we're incapable of maintaining it for more than a, a short time. That our ability to create unity is so bad that, that we can't do it without God's help. That Jesus has to pray for God to help us to do this thing that seems impossible otherwise. And then in this prayer, he says that when we are in unity, not only is God glorified when the world sees it, but that when the world sees our unity, they actually see Jesus Christ himself. And they understand his love. Isn't that interesting? The church, in its transcendent, visible and invisible way, has everything I need. That including unity. So, earlier I mentioned walk to Emmaus. Um, walk to Emmaus, uh, a lot of people in our church have been on a walk. It's not a walk. It's, uh, it's a sit, I always say. But it's, um, it's a three-day spiritual renewal experience. And back in the late 80s and throughout the 90s, uh, I was real heavily involved in walk to Emmaus. was on countless teams. And what I began to notice, walk to Emmaus, is a, a, a theme would develop that throughout the weekend. And it was kind of organic. Uh, it was unplanned. You couldn't manufacture it. It clearly was uh, something the Holy Spirit was doing. But some sort of theme usually develop and I was on a particular men's walk and the theme began to be this conviction of these men of failing to be the kind of Christian husbands and fathers that Jesus needed them to be now this was out in West Texas okay and we're talking oil field workers and it's Bubba land and they're they're cool and they're uh, I love them but they're they're West Texas cowboys and men and uh, but they began to get convicted and and that became sort of the theme of the weekend and so at the closing worship service all their wives were there and a lot of these men were like in their 30s and 40s they hadn't been married that long they had children at home and and one by one so many of them stood up in front of about 150 people and all their wives there and some of them with tears coming down their faces began to confess and repent and say in front of everybody that, that, that they had failed to be the kind of husband and to be the kind of father and to be the kind of sacrificial head of the household that Jesus needed them to be. And those women out in the audience, there was some uh-huhs. There was some mm, There was some yes. There was some thank you, Jesus. There was some tears. There was some amens. There was hallelujahs. There was some about times. Who can pull that off? Who can take a bunch of cowboys and in 72 hours 
completely transformed their lives. And, and they weren't just talking. I knew a lot of these guys. They went home and had a different kind of marriage and a different kind of faith after that. Who can do that? Some well-funded government program? Politics? 24-hour news channel? A whole stack of self-help books? Dear Abby? The church. The church pulled that off. The power of God in and through this thing we call church. Everything they needed, they found that weekend. Now here's the thing, I almost missed it. I almost didn't get to see any of that. Because when I first went on Walt to Mass, I thought I was too good for it. I thought I was above it. I thought it was just too silly and cheesy and superficial and not sophisticated enough. But if I'm real honest, I sort of thought the same way about the church itself at a certain point in my life. I didn't need it, I was above it. And I almost didn't see the miracle that was going on. Particularly that weekend that God was creating church right before my eyes. It was very ecumenical. There were Baptists there, there were Methodists there, there were Catholics there. And back in the late 80s, that was pretty unusual. I mean, we were kind of like, oh, wow, we're all together and we're not arguing. Huh? The Holy Spirit created church. The Holy Spirit created unity. We were united in Christ, not doctrine. We were united in Christ, not denomination. We were united in Christ, not buildings. We were united not by what we thought we needed to be afraid of or what we needed to stand against, but by what was going on for us. Catholic. Everything. All that I need in time, in space. Receiving forgiveness instead of shame. Granting forgiveness instead of anger and bitterness. Receiving the sacraments. Finding release. Freedom. New life. New future. New hope. A new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. You see, I think when we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, what we're really saying is, I believe in church. I believe that I can't do life without church, without the body of Christ, without the visible and invisible, holy, set apart, anointed, united believers, repentant, humble, seeking. I believe. I believe in this cranky, boring, argumentative, stubborn, amazing, miraculous thing. Always in need of forgiveness. Always hopeful thing. That's working in the world. That somehow in the mystery of it all. That it is Christ's primary way of bringing life to the world. We've all been reading and seeing about Black Lives Matter. I'm sure we all have our own opinions. Maybe we think we have the answers. But as a culture, we can't seem to get it right. Wouldn't it be lovely for all ethnic groups to be united in tears 
in prayers, in song, in hopefulness, the way we feel that unity on a walk to Emmaus, that it could be that powerful. Sounds impossible, right? All I know is a few years ago at a prayer retreat, I met a pastor who was pastoring a very large congregation in the Bronx and he had come out to Wichita, Kansas of all places to this prayer retreat because he, he brought his whole staff with him he knew they needed to go deeper in prayer because they had such a challenge in ministry in the Bronx and he told me that there were 72 different ethnic groups represented in his congregation. Who can do that? Who can pull that off? A well-funded government program? Maybe the church united in Christ, the miracle, the holy Catholic church. In church, there is no east or west, no north or south, no Jew or Gentile, no male or female, no black or white, no us or them. So, is there anger in the world? I offer church. Is there polarization in the world I offer church is there violence is there divisiveness is there fear is there mask rage I can't believe that's already in the lexicon mask rage as hard as it is to be church right now I believe that now is an even more important time for us to be the church. I can't wait until the world gets better to be church. I think it's the opposite. I think the world needs us so very much. And how are we going to do it? I don't know. Maybe prayer room Maybe opening our eyes and seeing what the Holy Spirit is doing, is presenting before us. When I was in seminary, I did uh, clinical pastoral education, which is a, a kind of a student chaplaincy in a big Catholic hospital. And at the time, they had a big pastoral care staff, a lot of priests and nuns. And uh, every day they had mass about I think it was at 10 o'clock in the little hospital chapel. And it was me and a few other students. We were Protestants. But we would go to Catholic Mass. And the, the priest, who was uh, Chinese, he would give us the sacrament. And one week, I began to get into a, a fit of uh, self-righteous anger. And I thought, he's, he's getting away with this because he's in a hospital. Uh, if the bishop walked in, he'd straighten up. He, he would refuse to give us the sacrament. If he were in a congregation, someone would call the bishop and tell them what, what one of their priests was doing. And he, and he would hold back. He wouldn't service the, the sacrament. And I didn't say anything to anybody. But somehow, that sweet priest knew what I was struggling with. And he came up to me one day, and he said, George... He said, I know you probably think we're doomed, we Roman Catholics. But please, 
come and share the sacrament. Sometimes the Holy Spirit comes and we're united in a way that brings out a wow or tears or forgive me or hallelujah or amen. Paul in 2 Corinthians says, We put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, and the Holy Spirit in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness, in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live, beaten yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, we thank you for this thing called church and for helping us to have the eyes to see that we, we need this. And so we pray, as Jesus prayed, for the power of your Holy Spirit to bring us unity and to bring us humbleness and to bring us power that we can be for the world what you need us to be. In Christ Jesus we pray. Amen.